as I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within, but my Lord leads me on, through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night, but I'll cling more close to Him, He will give me light. Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside, but my Lord goes ahead, leads whatever be tied. Oh, I want to see Him look upon His face, there to sing forever of His saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Here's all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When before me billows rise from the mighty deep, then my Lord directs my bark, he to safely keep. And he leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me. Oh, I love him so. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. That's a good old song, isn't it? Yep, you've been around any time at all, you've heard that one a few times. Amen. And if you haven't been around, that's a good one to hear. All right, let's go ahead and uh, get ready. I'm doing the same thing as last time. I'm not turning right to a scripture to start with, but we're going to kick things off and then we'll get to plenty of scripture along the way. But we're in the midst of a series that I've entitled, Discoveries That Revolutionize Our Lives. Discoveries that revolutionize our lives. The first week we talked about creation and we said it was the work of God. Then we noted the Bible last week, the Word of God. Today we want to consider this idea, this thought, the Savior, the way to God. And so we're going to consider that today and give it some time and just allow the Lord to use it to kind of work in our hearts so that it will revolutionize our lives. If someone really believes that there's a God that created all things... And that creation is the work of God. If there's a person that says, the Bible, that is the word of God. If there's a person that says, the Savior, He is the way to God. It will revolutionize your life. Change your life if you really believe those things. It will change how you perceive the world. It will change how you perceive life and how you perceive eternity even. And so we're certainly glad for the Lord today that gives us truth from His blessed book, the Word of God. Well, Oprah Winfrey, she produced a seven-night event. It was called Belief. It was just this last year that it showed. It was at the end of the year in the fall this past year. It was considered a groundbreaking television event which explored humankind's ongoing search to connect with something greater than ourselves. And the miniseries caused many to question her beliefs 
as well as take a long look at faith in America itself. And um, commenting on the miniseries was a, a woman by the name of Diane Butler Bass from the Washington Post. And she comes to some conclusions and she makes some claims. And some of those claims are that she says we are living through a period of intense spiritual democratization. I said it good, didn't I? In all the world's religions, order forms of remote and hierarchical authority, not to mention the very idea of a distant and monarch-like God, are being challenged by ordinary people as they pray, worship, walk, uh, walk pilgrimages, and seek the divine in nature and neighborhoods. As a result, according to Bass, she says across the planet, people are taking responsibility for their own versions of meaning, and in the process are remaking faith in ways that are more inclusive, more personal, more connected to the natural world, and more attentive to their community. She calls this movement, quote, nothing less than a global spiritual revolution. And she declares, all around the world, people are discovering that God, or the gods, or the goddess, or the spirit of awe, is nearer than has often been taught and that the divine can be accessed by anyone, anywhere. Bass is convinced that, quote, human beings can trust themselves to find God and grace wherever the sacred might be discerned. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting as I note or as I read through that, I'm kind of, it's kind of interesting how she says things like that they're remaking faith in ways that are more inclusive, that are more personal, more connected to the natural world, more attentive to their community. What she's basically is implying that religion as we understand it or faith as we understand it has uh, isolated people, has divided people, has been a real problem in the past that hasn't been a real help. Now we're finally realizing ways that we can connect the world together. It seems to me that what she's really saying is, is that we can be now concerned about planet Earth and now we can be concerned about global warming and now we can be concerned about these issues and that is where our faith is going so that we have a social doctrine, not a Christ-centered doctrine. Well, I'm a little concerned about that as a Bible believer. I don't think there's anything wrong with being concerned about our world. I don't think there's anything wrong about being concerned about social ills and the effects of, uh, of society and the lives of our families and our, 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 uh, our country. But the fact is today is that we still have a Bible and we still have the Word of God and we understand that, that faith and our purpose and our life on earth is set by God's Word, not by our own decision or our course or our own ideas or ideology. We've got to be careful with this. So, I, I note the flaw here of her thinking, and I note the flaw in the thinking of, very, of many people today, because this is the concept that we see permeating our culture today. There are no absolutes. There's nothing that's really wrong. Every single person in this room, including myself, has a right to define who God is, what God is about, and what we believe God expects of us, and what we can expect from God. And that's exactly the direction we're going in our world. And that's, that's exactly what she describes here in this particular article as she begins to make some observations and comes to some conclusions about faith and spirituality in our country. Well, I want to talk to you today 
and give you three thoughts. First of all, I want to note the flaw. Then I want to talk about the facts. And then we want to note the faith. So let's go and have a word of prayer and then we'll jump into this thing. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, for your leadership and your love. We need you today. God, help us to be faithful to you. Lord, without thee, we're nothing. And we need you so desperately in this place. And Lord, as everyone in this room has gathered, Father, for the express purpose of, Father, hearing from heaven to truly glean from you and your word, I pray, Lord, you'd fill me with your spirit and may I be simply a mouthpiece then. Lord, I don't want to get in the way of you doing a work in a life. Help me just to be a tool in your hand today. Father, bless the people of God and bless those maybe that are here that have yet to receive and accept Christ as Savior. Lord, may a decision be made to truly understand that the Savior is the way to God. Lord, we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, the flaw. The, the reality is today is that there is a creator. Amen. And that that particular creator provided a means of communication which defines some things. That means of communication, as we understand it and know it very clearly, is the Word of God. And in the Word of God, He defines Himself. He defines His purpose. He defines His person. He defines His pattern for life, your life and mine. God makes those distinctions and God determines those things. God is the Creator, therefore God decides what you and I ought to be and what we ought to become. He decides what we deserve and what we don't deserve. We don't identify God and, or define God based on our own existence or our own experience. We define God based on how He defines Himself in the Word of God. We, we don't allow ourselves the liberty to, to take our own experience and our own ideas and our own thoughts and our own mind and create in our, our mind an image of who God ought to be or who God is. We say, no, what does God say about Himself? And so what does God say about our purpose and where do we fit in His economy and what is our role as a, a, a creation of God and all of those are issues that we are, are we see defined in this book, the Word of God. Now again, that's something that's changing in our, our world. Spirituality or religion is, is on the way out. Organized religion according from what Bass can see and, and the conception that she has based on her, the evidence that's presented before her, even in the miniseries, is that the fact is, is that this organized religion has brought nothing but hurt and heartache and it brings rigid, rigid it's rigid and it's, it's, it's uh, unloving at times and it's intolerant. And as a result of that, it has only isolated people and caused division in our world. And so it's time that you and I redefine what religion or spirituality is. Hey, I agree in one sense that religion has caused more people to go to hell than any other thing in this world. Religion itself damns men and women every single day. Religion defines means and uh, by which to reach heaven that are certainly man-made and not God-ordained. But the fact is, is that if you truly want to know the way, then you better get to know the Savior. Amen. And you better know, it, know Him from the Word of God, not from your own def definition. Now, I, I, decided, I decide today, maybe, that I want to go see my president. And so... I take a trip and I get on a bus and I uh, take a bus all the way to Washington, D.C. And there I exit the bus and I, I look on my map and find Pennsylvania Avenue. I get onto Pennsylvania Avenue and as I stroll down the street, I see this big white house. I go, oh, that's my president's home. I'm here to see the president. I walk on up to the, the gate and there I'm met by some Secret Service 
personnel. They asked me, to say, sir, what is your intention? What is your what reason for being here today? I'd say, I'm here to see my president. And they say, well, sir, I'm sorry, but you can't see the president. You, you have to get put on his schedule. Well, what do you mean put on his schedule? Well, there's a criteria. There's a, a, a particular order that you have to take. You have to do things in a certain way in order to get to see the president. And then he will determine whether or not he even wants to see you. But wait a second, he's my president and I pay the bills around here. You know that uh, before it's over with, they're going to say, sorry, sir, but you're going to have to leave. And I'm not going to get the opportunity to see the president or my president. And yet, based on what we're finding in America today, is it seems that everybody thinks somehow that not only... Do, they, they recognize the fact they can't see the president. Everybody knows. You're not just going to go to Washington and walk on into the White House and say, Hey, how you doing, Mr. President? You're not going to get to do that. But somehow, we think somehow that we can determine or we can decide to see the Creator anytime we want, however we choose. We just make up our own rules. We, we do it on our own. We, we just say, you know what? Um, I want to see the Creator. I want a relationship with the Creator. And so this is how I'm going to do it. But wait a second. If I, if I can't see the present on my own terms, I'm not very likely to see the Creator on my own terms. See, that's the fall here. To think that you and I can come up with our own terms on how we're going to uh, define God, our own terms on how we're going to meet God, our own terms on how we're going to spend time with God. Wait, God says, listen, I'm the creator, you're the creature, I define that for you. If you want to get into my presence, if you want to be with me, then you're going to have to do things my way. And you know what the bottom line is today is we don't like anyone telling us what to do. The facts. We see the flaw. We just don't go to God on our own terms. It doesn't work that way. The facts. First of all, we note the fractured relationship. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. Turn over, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. We're talking about the facts. And we're noting the fractured relationship. When Adam and Eve sinned, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Notice what the Bible says. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Now listen, God only had one rule, basically. God only had one command. And it was, thou shalt not eat of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Every other tree you're permitted to eat, but you can't eat of that one. And of course, we know biblically, scripturally, that when she saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also to her husband with her, and he did eat also. So they disobeyed God, willfully disobeyed God. And you know what happened at that point? Genesis 3.23, look there. 23, verse 23 this time. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Notice, he sent him forth from the Garden of Eden. We have a fractured relationship here. 
a severed relationship. Where once man was in, in intimate relationship, a close-knit a union with God, where he could walk and talk with the Lord on a regular, consistent basis. Now, sin had entered into the picture and there was a fracture. There was a separation. There was a division between God and man. Today we find ourselves in the same boat as a result of Adam's sin. We're in the same, same position. Look in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. All the way in the New Testament, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. I wonder if we can guess who that one man might be. Adam, of course. After reading what we did, we, we, we without a doubt know who that is now. And the Bible goes on to say, Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Do you know what entered into the world when sin entered? Death. Death. So now we have death. Somebody says, I don't understand why people have to die because of sin. I don't understand why people have to suffer so by losing family and loved ones. If God cared, why would He take my loved one from me? Sin. God really didn't take your loved one from you in a sense. <laughs> sin did. And I'm not even talking about their sin, although they're sinners. We're all sinners. And the reason we're going to die one day is because of our sin. Someone says, yeah, but I thought you could be saved and you'd never die. Well, you're going to die physically if the Lord doesn't return, but you won't die spiritually. You'll live forever with the Lord. But you're still, this body's still flesh, and this flesh, in this flesh dwelleth no good thing. What's that mean? Sin. And because of sin came death. Notice what he goes on to say now in Romans 5.12. And so, as a result of that, because sin, because man... Uh, because of that man, sin entered the world, and because of that death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Therefore, we're all going to die. Therefore, even as Adam w was a sinner, we're sinners. And the fact is, is that sin separated him from God. He was removed from the Garden of Eden. Guess what? We're also born separated from God because of our sin. It's inherited sin that we have. It's not the sin that we commit on a daily basis. It's the fact that we're already sinners. That's the problem. The reason we do what we do is because of who and what we already are. Sinners. And so we see this fractured relationship. It didn't just happen uh, in the garden, and it didn't end with the garden. It continued with the offspring of Adam. Even to this day, every last one of us are fractured, separated, divided from God because of our sin when we're born. And it's important to realize that there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves to restore that relationship. Not one thing you and I can do in and of ourselves. Look, if you will, in Isaiah 64. If you're in Romans, go backwards now into the Old Testament. Isaiah is one of the largest Old Testament books there is. And you'll find it there toward the middle of the Bible, kind of like. Maybe to the right slightly of the middle. And you'll find Isaiah 64, 6. And God uses, uses the prophet. as you're Speaking to Israel, of course, but certainly applicable to each and every one of us today. Notice what he says in Isaiah 64, 6, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But we are all as an unclean thing. We are all as an unclean thing. 
And all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. What's he saying? The very best we can do in the sight of a holy God is as filthy rags. And we all do fade as a leaf. Leaves fade and ultimately die. Guess what we do? And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Well, I'll tell you what. We recognize the fact that there's not one thing we can do as sinners to, to restore that lost fellowship with the God of heaven, the creator of the universe. Not one thing. The fractured relationship. But notice the Father's response. Look, if you will, in John 3.16. The Father's response. All the way in John now. Very familiar passage. One of those ones that sometimes you see even when you're watching a football game and they're getting ready to kick the field goal or extra point. And there in the background, John 3.16. Notice what he says here. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, the Father's response to this sin problem, this separation problem, this fractured relationship between Him and His creation, He sent His Son. The Lord Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. But hold on. Look in Luke chapter 2, verse 9. Usually around Christmas time we read these passages. In Luke chapter 2, verse 9. We'll, we'll turn to Luke and we'll say, now let's read about the birth of Jesus Christ. Well, let's read about it again. Luke chapter 2, verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, referring to the shepherds, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for I, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. I can almost hear Linus saying it. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior. Which is who? Christ the Lord. Wow, now all of a sudden, God didn't just send His Son, He sent a Savior. What we learn then is that the Son is the Savior. Now let's take our Bible, look at Acts chapter 13. That reality that the Son is the Savior is reinforced throughout Scripture. And let's let the Scriptures speak for themselves today for just a moment. Acts chapter 13, verse 22 through 23. Acts 13, 22 through 23. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king. He removed Saul and he let David rule and reign. And to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Of this man's seed... Hath God, according to His promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Isn't that something? Again, the Savior, the Son is the Savior. It's as simple as it is. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. By the way, Israel needs a Savior. And you know that every Gentile needs a Savior too. And that Savior is the same for both 
Jesus. Jesus Christ. Notice 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the affliction of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Oh, so God does have a purpose. I think it would behoove us to find his purpose for our existence, not define our existence ourselves or purpose ourselves. Who has saved us and called us, verse 9, with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Notice appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Son is the Savior. Finally, in 1 John 4, 14, the Bible says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So we see and understand or we noted the flaw. We consider the facts. And we've noted already the fractured relationship, the Father's response. But finally, concerning that, the final result. Let's look at the final result. I mean, here are the facts again. The final result is this, first of all. He, the Savior, Jesus Christ, is the way. John 14, 6, you might know it or have heard it. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way. The truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We say the Savior, the way to God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's the way. He's the way. And you know, the way is described as being very narrow. Look, if you will, over in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, Enter ye into the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now based on what we read earlier and the perception of what spirituality is becoming in America, we are very, we understand that we have a real problem here then. Because see, it's impossible then, if the way is narrow, that the majority will be right. That means the majority will somehow believe that there are many ways to heaven. That the road is broad and you can take your own path. You can create your own identity. You can create your own purpose and you can go forward to find God in your own ability, strength, and intellectual abilities. But that is not true at all according to the Word of God. As a matter of fact, the way that leads to God is narrow and few there be that ultimately go in there. He is the way, the Savior, 
the way to God. But not only is he the way, but he's the door. The Bible goes on to tell us he's the door. Look, if you will, in John chapter 10, verse 9 through 10. I don't know how many of you have used a door lately. Most of you? Yes, I hope. If not, then maybe you're not really with us today. You're really spirit uh, in spirit with us. I don't know. I could call you Casper. I don't know. But John chapter 10, verse 9 through 10. Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Notice that he's not a door. He's the door. Isn't that interesting? He's not a door. You know, I am a door. No, I am the door. He's the door. See, um, when we enter a home... We use the door. Go through the door. Now, it, it was a number, uh, uh, quite a few years ago, I don't know how many years now, but probably a good uh, six years ago, I'd say, probably five or six years maybe, four years. I, I remember that we found out about uh, that this house over here was for sale uh, on the corner here. And we, we were running out of space. We needed more room. And so we thought, well, we could purchase it. We found out that it was going, uh, uh, basically a foreclosure. And we thought, man, this might be a great deal for us. We might be able to get it for, on a real good bargain. So we went ahead and contacted the right people. We thought, man, we could use that space, put our Spanish ministry in that house, and that would work out perfectly. It would work out great. Well, we ended up looking at the house and uh, getting the address. You know, well, we knew the address. It was right on our properties here, but eventually became our properties. We know, but, but, um, uh, we, we, we walked over there, uh, myself and three others of the staff, and, and we were over there, and uh, we, we, took our, we had this thing that they told us we could check the house out, so we went over there. I started, we checked the doors, they were all locked, and then I said, well, let's check the windows, you know. So we checked the windows, and we saw that there was a window open, so I had one of the staff guys climb up through the window and go on in the house, you know, and, and, uh, uh, you know, and then come around and open the door. You know, they told us we could check the house out, so we, we did. And so while we're in there, we're looking around, and we was probably in there 10, 15, 20 minutes maybe, you know, checking the upstairs, the downstairs, looking around as much as we could, wanted to get an idea whether the house foundation was solid, whether or not it was a, a worthy investment. We heard that, you know, it possibly could go for as, you know, a little, you know, we didn't know exactly how much. We could place a bid on it, but we thought we could pick it up for under 40000 so we went ahead and uh, uh, thought we'd check it out. Well, anyway, in the course of checking it out and all, uh, you know, we, we, we came to the conclusion this is a pretty decent house. House, we can get it for that price. Without a doubt, it's worthwhile. And so we came back up the steps, and one of the staff said, man, there's, co- there's cop cars out front uh, over there. And I said, well, a big deal, whatever. You know, I didn't really think a lot about it. And so I went down the steps, and I thought, well, I'll go out and see what's going on, you know, just in case, make sure everything's cool. And I tried to get out the door, and I couldn't get out the door. It was stuck. It was wedged. And again, it was an order. It, was, it had set empty for a while, probably draws quite a bit of moisture in that wood door. And I couldn't get it open, so I'm kicking the bottom of it. I'm kicking the bottom. And I'm trying to shake it. I'm kicking the bottom. And finally I opened it and went, wham! And it flew open and smacked against the back of the door. And right there were two police officers with their guns drawn right on me. And they're like, put your hands up. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Calm down now. And I've got my tie on and everything. Everybody's got ties on, dress on. Hey, hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. They're like, we got a report. we got a call that people broke into this house. Brother Glenn's neighbors, of course. He eventually bought the house from us, but 
We really got him good. Raked him over the coals too. No, I'm joking. But uh, but the fact is, is that uh, is that there they were, guns drawn. I mean, two of them had their guns drawn. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa! Don't be pulling no trigger anytime soon. You know what the problem was? I didn't use the door. We went through the window. Because you're not supposed to go through windows to get in houses. You go through the door. And you want to know something? To get to God, you have to go through the door. What's the Bible say? It says over there in, in, in our passage, look what it says. It says, The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. What the fact is, is that he's trying to draw a comparison. He's saying, now listen, you want to get to God, you have to go through the door, Jesus Christ. But the thief, the thief, the Satan and his demons, they go to the back door. They try to get to God any way they possibly can. They don't go through the door. And you know what's sad today is that in America, it seems that we're trying to avoid the door at all costs. And we're trying to find our own way into heaven and our own way into the presence of God. He's the door. He is the door. The only proper way to enter the house is through the door. And Jesus Christ is that door. But not only that, He's the mediator. He's the mediator. In, second, in 1 Timothy, excuse me, verse 2, chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. Look at that. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. We didn't end up buying that house. We paid 37005 We put a new... Uh, um, um, uh, we, well, we, we totally revented, re, remodeled it, uh, did a, a bang-up job on it, um, put a new furnace in and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we really, whoever got it got a good deal, there's no doubt. <laughs> Real good deal. <laughs> He's the mediator. Look at First Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. <clears throat> the Bible says, And there is one God... Boy, right there's a problem, isn't it? Based on what we read earlier. Gods, goddesses, awe. <laughs> what, what's that? There's one God. And one mediator between God and men. One mediator? Who could that mediator be? The man, Christ Jesus. How's he a mediator? Well, he was God, yes, but he became man. He put on the, the, he, he, he put on the robe of flesh. And he became man's mediator. He had to become a man. He had to allow himself to live like you and I live. He had to breathe like you and I breathe. He had to hang ultimately on a cross and die as a human being to take our place because human beings are the ones that sinned against God, the Creator. So therefore, a human being had to be able to die a perfect, sinless life. And so God Himself became man and died as a man on Calvary. Suffered, bled as a man. Knew the hurt, the heartaches, as a man. He became the mediator between God and men. And that word mediator means one that interposes between parties of, at variance for the purpose of reconciling them. Let me make that a little simpler. The mediator's goal is to bring parties together who are presently at odds. In our case, we're at odds with God today because of our sinful state, because of our, our innate sin, the sin of Adam. And our sin stands between us and God and thus separates us from Him. Christ is the mediator then. 
He's the divine intercessor. He's the one that, that takes the sinner and reconciles the sinner to God, the Creator. He restores that relationship that was lost in Eden. He alone mediates. Would you, would you two fellas stand up, please? You two guys stand right here. Would you please come on up here on stage with me? Why don't you do that? You stand there and you stand there. I tell you what, stand on this side here. Now, just for the sake of argument, let's like this be sin. Okay? Now, I, well, I don't want to show you how strong I am, so let's just let them stand right there for now. So here's sin. Sin stands between, I don't, this hurts me to say it, God <laughs> and man. So between God and man stand, is sin. The Lord Jesus Christ comes along as a mediator. And he removes sin out of the way so that these two, give me your hands, quit being so weird. (laughs) Hold on. So these two can be what? Oh, yeah, this is going to be great, isn't it? Come on now. Restored into fellowship again. The, The mediator brings these two together. He removes the sin out of the way and it enables them to come back into fellowship one with another. Now you guys hold hands as you go back to your seat, please. Now listen, that's exactly what he does. He's the mediator between God and men. He's the mediator. Did anybody get a picture of that, please? Yes, I'll use that as blackmail down the road. Christ is the mediator. Now, I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2, and I want to look at all three of those aspects in this one passage. Ephesians chapter 2, we talked about him being the way, the door, and the mediator. Now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, and we're going to take just a moment and look at this, and then we're going to kind of close this out with the final aspect. Now, notice what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. We're going to read through verse 18. Wherefore, remember... That ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. That means that the Jews called the Gentiles uncircumcised, basically. And he goes on to say that at that time, verse 12, ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promise, having what? No hope and without God in the world. They're without Christ, therefore they're without God, because he is what? The way. Now, hold on. Keep watching. He goes on to say, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For He is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in His flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in Himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that He might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now notice our state right off the bat in this passage. He goes on to say right off the bat, we are strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. That is the the state of all mankind. Every one of us is without God, without hope in this world. That is the reality. Why? Because we are separated from God. But hold on. Notice the way in the passage. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were 
far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. He shows us the way. We are way out of there. We're, we're distanced from God. But He shows us the way to God. Notice this. He, he's the door. Verse 14. For He is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. We, we, we don't have to go through a wall. We don't, we're not, we're not destined for hell anymore. He's created a door for us to get through. He's broken down that wall that separates us from God and enables us to go through safely. He's the door. But then notice this. He's the mediator. Verse 15 and 16. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man. Make of himself of twain two. They were two, now they're one. See, he's going to reconcile. He's going to mediate. And verse 16, And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. He removes the sin. He removes the opposition. And he puts the two and brings them, he brings the two together. The Savior. The way to God. He, Jesus Christ, is the way. There is no other way. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to be benevolent. I'm going to be conscious of the ills of society. I'm going to try to help mankind have a better place to live. Those are all... I'm not saying they're bad. They're all good in and of themselves. And the truth is is that God wants better for mankind than man wants even for himself. But that can't be... That's not the way we come or arrive at God. That's not the way we ultimately enter His presence. That's not how we ultimately make heaven our home and God and us as one. That's not how it works. So what, what do we have to see then? It comes to the last point, the faith. The faith. We saw the flaw. We noted the facts. Now let's consider the faith. In John chapter 5, verse 11, look there if you would, please. As we really do. We plan to close this very soon. John, 1 John 5. So if, you, if, you're, if you're John, you've got to go right all the way to you almost get to Revelation. 1 John chapter 5. <clears throat> And this is the record. You feel like you're in a courtroom, don't you? This is the record. Could you read the record back? Could you read the, 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 you know, um, what's been transcribed in the past? Can you read that for us? Update us on what's going on and tell us what is. Well, this is the record that God had given to us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. He that have written some things. Here's the record. Here's the reality. The fact is, is that God's given eternal life, but that life's found only in His Son, the Savior. And the Savior is the way to God. He's the only way to God. See, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. So how do I make the Son? How do I, how do I, how do I have the Son? How do I receive the Son? Well, in John chapter 1, verse 12, the Bible says, But as many as received Him. 
As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. You have to receive the Lord then. Receive him. Well, how do I do that? Okay, I I want everlasting life, and I I want to be reunited with God. I want to have fellowship with the Creator. I, I, I want to be with Him forever. Well, you have to receive Him. How do I do that? Romans chapter 10, verse 13. Very simple. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Saved from their sin. Saved... From the consequences of it. It's an acknowledging that the Son is the Savior and the Savior is the way to God. And I cannot get to God any other way but through Him. I need the Savior today. I need Jesus Christ in my life. I can't get there Without Him, I can't be reconciled to God without Him, the mediator. Without going through Him, the door. Without following Him, the way. That's salvation, my friend. Salvation is not maintaining or following a set of rules. It's not a plan. It's a person. Jesus Christ. He is the way. He's the door. He is the mediator. Commenting on Oprah Winfrey's miniseries, Belief, the Washington Post writer expressed those observations and concerns concerning spirituality in our world today. Again, listen to what she said. Across the planet, people are taking responsibility for their own versions of meaning and in the process are remaking faith in ways that are more inclusive, more personal, more connected to the natural world, and more attentive to their community. And she calls this movement nothing less than a global spiritual revolution and declares all around the world people are discovering that God, or the gods, or the goddess, or the spirit of awe is nearer than has, has often been taught, and that the divine can be accessed by anyone, anywhere, Bass is convinced that, quote, human beings can trust themselves to find God and grace wherever the sacred might be discerned. Well, let me just say this. If Bass is right, then Jesus was wrong. If Bass is right about this, then Jesus was wrong when he said, I am the way. Let me ask you, who are you going to believe today? Are you going to believe Mrs. Bass? Or scores of others who have chosen to disregard the Word of God and follow their own feelings and their own definition of faith? Or will you believe the Word of God today and understand that Jesus alone is the way, the truth, and the life? That the Savior is the way to God. Have you trusted Him today as your Savior and Lord? 
If you haven't, you need to today. Don't leave here. Don't say, I'll deal with it later. Deal with it now. Settle your relationship with God, the Creator, today by allowing Jesus Christ who came and lived a sinless, perfect life, shed His precious, perfect blood on a cross, was buried and rose again the third day. Allow Him to be the way in your life. Walk through that door He's provided. And allow Him to once again restore fellowship with you and your God as mediator. Father, we come to you.